Hey, this is Pastor Ben with Claire Church. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I apologize that it took a little longer to get it posted this week. We had a lot of ice and I left all of the audio equipment at church. So anyway, I'm getting it to you as quick as I can now. So I hope you enjoy it. Today's message is from, I believe, Mark chapter 4. And we talk about Jesus calming the storm. So I hope this message is helpful for you and gives you some insight to the storms that you face in your life. Good morning. We continue our series. This is week two of Jedi Jesus. And um, I always forget... I, I preached this morning, and on my way driving here, I'm like, oh, yeah, the other part of the Jedi Jesus, it's not just that Jesus did cool stuff, but it, the gospel talks about how he was like a, a rebel, like he was raising a resistance in a way that, um, in, a, in a way that was different than other rebels and resistance. So we'll talk a little bit about that today as we get into this, this story. Um, so today, uh, last week we talked about how Jesus, his Jedi trick was to walk on water. This week, just with his own voice, kind of like, these are not the droids you're looking for. You know, he just, ma- and it makes it happen. It's kind of, a, kind of amazing that he's able to calm the storm down. All right, so here we are. It says, this is, this is Mark chapter 4. Last week we read from Mark chapter 6, so it's kind of a flashback in the story. But again, something very similar happens. It says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. If you remember the story from last week in chapter 6, it started out very much the same way. That they got in a boat, it was when evening came, they got in the boat, and Jesus says, let's get away and go on over to the other side. In fact, uh, here in chapter 4, if you back up to the beginning, you'll see that Jesus is teaching a whole crowd. And the reason he's on the boat is very similar to the reason that I'm standing up front uh, on a little bit of a raised platform. It, it was a way for Jesus to get enough distance between him and the crowd to be able to effectively speak and get his voice out to everybody. And I don't know, have you ever been on a, a lake or a river and you realize how much louder you talk? It's got to be something about the way your voice bounces off the water or something. But sometimes you can hear people talking from a great distance away when you're, when you're on a, a lake or a river, especially if it's like quiet and calm. Um, but anyway, so Jesus is up on a boat. And he's teaching all these different parables, parable after parable after parable, teaching to the crowd. And it says, when evening came, he tells the disciples, let's get away. Just like last week, kind of the first lesson from that scripture we read last week was take time to get away. Life is not meant to be a busy rush all the time, that you have to take time to get away. Life is not meant to be always doing for other people and emptying yourself for other people without taking care of yourself, that there's an important thing that God teaches us about Sabbath rest, to take time to rest and take care of yourself. And so there was a rhythm here that we, that we see that Jesus is teaching the disciples, okay, we're with the crowds all day, now let's get away. We're with the crowds all day, let's get away. And there's a rhythm and a pattern there of taking care of themselves. Uh, so let us go on over to the side. It says, leaving the crowd behind, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, 
just as he was in the boat. Now that phrase, just as he was in the boat, is just saying he was already in the boat. They didn't have to load him up onto the boat. He didn't have to transfer boats. He was already in a boat, already ready to go. So they just climbed in the boat just as he was, and they took off. So they leave the crowd behind, and they took Jesus along in the boat. And it says, there were also other boats with him. So it's curious to me what exactly that means, because we only hear about the one boat in this story. They mentioned that there were other boats, but we only hear about the one. And this is what happens. It says, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, or the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we die? Don't you care if we die? Now, many of us wonder the same thing. That as we go through life, there are times, some more than others, when it feels like we are overwhelmed. Right? That's what's happening with this boat. The squall comes up. It's getting overwhelmed by the wind and the waves and the water is just rushing in. And that feeling of overwhelm gets you to that point where you say, God don't you care about me? Can't you see that I can't take all of this? Don't you care? So we can put ourselves in the shoes of those disciples. Now listen to what, but Jesus, on the other hand, in the midst of this, is, is asleep. Asleep on the job is basically the accusation that they're making, right? God, you've fallen asleep on the job. How could you let 17 young children die in a school shooting this week? Right? And that's just one story from the news. How many more did the news not tell us about? And I'm not talking about school shootings. I'm talking about tragedies across our world of all the suffering that goes on, God, where are you? Do you not care? So, Jesus falling asleep on the cushion in the back of the boat. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the calm died, then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. I want you to think about that for a second, because the question that came to my mind was, did he calm the storm, or did he calm the disciples? See, because I, I like to think that, yes, he calmed the storm, but the effect that Jesus wanted was that they would be calm on the inside. They would be calm like Jesus on the inside. Because the next thing he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? So calming the storm was more of a means to the end that he wanted the disciples to have faith that God was going to get them to the other side. 
right? Jesus said, let's leave the crowd behind and go to the other side. Do you think God can't get you to the other side of the storm? That's what Jesus is saying and asking them. Where is your faith? <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Apologize. All right. So here's the thing. So many of us, as we go through life, we go to God and we say, God, don't you care how big and bad the storm is? Don't you care all the damage that it's doing? Don't you care how much effect it is having on me and the people I care about? Don't you care? And Jesus is saying to us, what if you went to the storm and said how big and powerful your God is? And that's exactly what Jesus does. He gets up and he says, peace, be still, and the winds and the waves are still. And listen to what it says. It says, and they were terrified, the disciples were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Literally, in the Greek, it, that word that says they were terrified, it says they feared a great fear. You see, Jesus was teaching them something. That the God that they believed in, this Messiah that said, let's go to the other side, is more powerful than any storm they could ever face. That Jesus could turn and say to that storm, you don't realize how big my God is. He's trying to teach them that kind of faith. And he says, why are you so afraid? You still have no faith. And the reason he uses that word still is if you back up in the story, you'll see that he's teaching parable after parable after parable. And it says he taught the crowd in parables as they could understand. And parables are kind of those like riddles almost that you kind of scratch your head and try to figure out what he really meant. And then it says he pulled the disciples away and privately and explained everything to them. And yet they still have no faith. Another reason it's written down still have no faith, is that if you back up even further in the story, and you read through chapter 3 and 2, you'll see that Jesus is healing people. He's casting out evil spirits, that he has some kind of power that normal, everyday person doesn't have. Some kind of ability that Jesus has. And so, still, the disciples have seen the healings. They've seen the spirits cast out. They've seen his teachings. They've heard his teachings. They're taking all this stuff in. They're the ones closest to him. And they still have no faith. Now, I don't think Jesus is getting upset at them. I don't think Jesus is getting upset at them for having a normal human reaction to a scary situation. It is natural and normal to feel fear. It's natural and normal to have doubts. I think he's teaching them something important about what it means to have faith. So many of us think that faith is built on certain certainty. The problem is, if it's built on certainty, then it's not faith. Are you following me? Are you tracking me? Because if it's already certain then there's no risk. Inherent to having faith 
is that there's some kind of risk, some kind of unknown. That as you journey, you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what's going to come next. There's an uncertainty about it. And that's okay. Why is that okay? Why is that okay? Because I know Jesus. I know Jesus who has a peace that passes all understanding. I know Jesus who can sleep through the middle of a storm and get soaking wet and not wake up. (laughs) I know Jesus whose love knows no end. I know a Jesus who can forgive anyone and everyone of their past mistakes. I know a Jesus who heals. I know a Jesus who overcomes evil. See, there's this verse in Romans 8, verse 28. It gets misused, I think, a lot of times. But it says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. And, you know, a lot of people will use that to say, oh, don't worry, whatever difficult thing, loss of loved one, whatever, God has a reason, (laughs) and it's good. Doesn't that make you feel better, (laughs) hear all those cliches? Uh, But honestly, about that verse, really, Paul, when he wrote it, he could have stopped that in all things, God works. In all things, God works, and he could have put the period right there and been done with it because the God we believe in is good. So if God is at work, we know that ultimately he's wanting to bring about good. Are you following me? Are you tracking me? Do you hear me? God wants to bring about good in this world. And it may seem Like the waves and the winds are raging against it. But Jesus says, you know what? Okay, let me back up just a second. So all the winds and waves raging against it, and we want to expect or ask, God, could you just swoop in and just calm everything out? This enemy that's raised up, can you just destroy that enemy? In fact, the disciples we're expecting and looking for a Messiah to do just that, to swoop in, to, to, to raise up some kind of militia or military and take out the, the Roman authorities and their oppressors and just reestablish Israel and Jerusalem just the way that it was back in the days of King David. Jesus, would you do that? Would you march in on a war horse and set everything straight and just make everything right again? Right? That rebellion I mentioned, right? That resistance that I mentioned. But Jesus taught them that faith is an even greater resistance. That faith brings calm and peace that nobody can take away from you. Brings you an assurance that nobody can take away from you. And that's how Paul ends Romans chapter 8. He says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor anything in the past or the present nor in heaven or on earth, nothing could ever separate us 
from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, Jesus was teaching us to resist. Not in a visible outward resistance that of military might and strength, but an inward strength, an inward might of faith. Faith is the evidence of things unseen. Faith willing to take a risk and be comfortable in the midst of a storm and uncertainty. A faith that catches on and spreads into other people's lives. Now, Claire Church, I understand, gets its name from the fact that this was a little community named Claire. And there was a train depot here. Train depot is a place where people travel. I think we need to maybe recover some of that idea of this journey of life. And who wants to get on board with this faith that Jesus is teaching? Who will get on board? And take this journey of faith. See, I love the people that Jesus called. They didn't have it all figured out. They didn't always understand. But they answered that call to get on board with Jesus. They had faith. They said, it it may look like a storm now. But peace is coming. It may look like death on a cross. Right? But you can take that off and live new life in Christ. Who will get on board and take this journey? I'm really asking, too. <laughs> like so, at Ebenezer, it was a different analogy, but it was the same kind of question. And somebody actually stood up. And I meant them to stand up. And there was somebody else about to stand up, but they kind of looked around and like, nobody else is getting up. Uh, Maybe that was just rhetorical. Jesus wants us to take action on our faith. Are you hearing me? Who will get aboard? Who will get aboard? You know, back in the... um, old days, they would start singing a song just as I am, and they would just sing it over and over until everybody came down to the altar to pray and to answer that question for your life. What is your next step you can take to follow Jesus? And if you're saying, I don't know, ask. Ask. Through prayer, through conversations with other people on the journey, Ask. Let's follow Jesus together. Who will get on board? Will you pray with me? Holy God, your sustaining love is amazing. We are thankful that uh, you used folks like the disciples who didn't have it all figured out because God, our confession is that we need you, that we don't know 
In fact, we don't know how much we don't know. And we need you, God. Guide and direct our hearts, our minds, our footsteps, our ways, our actions, our behaviors to get on board and to follow you on this journey. To have faith that even in the midst of unknown, we know, God, that your word is true. Even in the midst of a of storm and waves, God, your word stands forever. Your steadfast love endures forever. And we are going to make it to the other side. Lord, there are people hearing this message today and hearing the question, who will get on board? I pray, God, that you would give them the strength to make a decision, even whether for the first time or again for the first time, to follow you. Help us to put our lives in your hands. Take steps of faith. Help us identify what that first next step would be. And then the next one. And then the next one. And may we trust in your lead all along the way. Lord, there are things that happen in our lives that make us die a little bit on the inside. Help us to put that death on the cross and in the tomb and raise us, God, to a new life. of faith empowered by your Holy Spirit. Pour out your Spirit, God, on every one of us here hearing this message that we would continue to take it in to learn and to grow and to give our lives to follow you. I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, In his name we pray, and as he taught us, so now we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.